0: Good morning again. Let's take our Bibles, if we would. Turn to the book of Colossians. Let's also stand for the reading of God's Word. So in the New Testament, near, kind of near the end of the Bible, not quite there, Paul's letter to the Colossians. Let's think this morning about the subject of Colossians and ethics. Colossians and ethics. And if you would look with me, please, at Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. The Bible says this, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, slave, free but christ is all and in all let's pray and if you'll keep your bible open we'll keep reading here in just a moment let's pray together father i can pray no better than my brother wilson prayed we pray that you would help us uh, through the holy spirit and the preaching of the word and then the hearing of the word and then in the doing of the word help us through our lord jesus christ and the gospel of who Jesus is, his perfect life, of his crucifixion and his resurrection. Lord, give to us, help us to repent of our sins this morning, to place our faith in you through Jesus Christ. We pray that you would lead us in this time. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We'll let you be seated as we continue to read. Look at verse 12, Colossians three twelve. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ. How does the peace of Christ rule in verse 15? Well, it's when the word of Christ has been uh, chapter by chapter, Genesis 37 through 50, uh, Joseph. If you've been here for the past many months, you know that we've also had a minor study. And again, I want us to look today at our subject, which is Colossians and ethics. Is it ever okay to tell a lie? I have four things today. I have four things, so let's jump right into those four things or four headings. The first will be a heading that is general, and then the next three will be specific. So let's jump right in this morning. And first of all, the first thing that I say is general, heading number one is this, is that Colossians 3 through 4 are the ethical chapters of the book. They deal with ethics, Colossians 3 through 4. So it's been said like this, what what are we talking about when we're talking about ethics? What do we mean? We're saying that the last two chapters, there's four chapters in Colossians, and we're saying that the ethical chapters are chapters 3 through 4. Well, it's been described like this. The emphasis of theology is on what God wants us to believe and to know. That's theology, what God wants us to believe and to know, while the emphasis in Christian ethics is on what God wants us to do and what attitudes he wants us to have. You see the distinction between ethics and theology. I continue on with this quote, theology focuses on ideas while ethics focuses on situations in life. Theology tells us how we should think, while ethics tells us how we should live. Or if you want a succinct, if you want a really short definition of ethics, it could be this, the study of morality. I've described it to you like this before. So with ethics, you're thinking about behavior more than you're thinking about belief. With ethics, you're thinking about what is our Christian duty more than you're thinking about Christian doctrine although we don't want to totally separate the two. If Colossians 3 through 4 are the ethical chapters, and by the way, we want to come back to that question, is it ever right to lie? If Colossians 3 through 4 are the ethical chapters of this short letter that Paul has given, then what of chapters 1 and 2? What of those chapters? Well, very simply... Not as much emphasis on behavior, more emphasis on belief in chapters 1 and 2. Not as much emphasis in chapters 1 and 2 on duty, and more emphasis on doctrine. Although there is something that unites it all, and the, the something that unites it all, I say, would be love... We're focusing on chapters 3 and 4. We're focusing on chapters 3 and 4, but just notice very quickly, notice the end of chapter 2. Notice verse 20 of chapter 2. If with Christ, Paul says to them, in Colossians 2.20, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of, what does he say here at the very end? Do you see that? Before he gets into the ethical section in 3 and 4, what does he say? These are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If you know what legalism is, legalism will not help you. Because the thing that we don't want to promote, verse 23, precisely the thing that we don't want to promote is self-made religion. We want to promote uh, God-inspired religion. We want to promote God-made religion. We want to say that the gospel makes Christians, Christians do not make themselves, we're not promoting, friends, self-made religion. If there is a key verse in chapters 1 and 2, which we're just about to leave, okay? We're just going to leave chapters 1 and 2. I just want to show you 3 and 4 are dependent on the first two. If there's a key passage, I say it's 2, 6, and 7. 2, 6, and 7. Therefore, Crossway, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That's the key verse. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Well, that's the general statement. Simply that chapters 3 and 4, the ethical chapters of Colossians, But then let's get into the three specifics. Let's get into the three specific, you may say, ethical issues. First of all, look with me. First of all, look in chapter 3 at verse 17. Chapter 3, verse 17. It says there, whatever you do, in word or deed... Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It says giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This first issue that we see here is, friends, it's the issue of thanksgiving. This is not going to be the main issue that I highlight, but it is Thanksgiving week. This is very clear here. It's very clear in verse 17, by the way. It's very clear in chapter 4, verse 2, we won't look at that, chapter 4, verse 2, but look at verse 16, chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, what? What? With thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so if we work our way backward, we have in verse 17, in verse 17, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We have in verse 16, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I've already mentioned chapter 4, verse 2, but what about verse 15? Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful, and be thankful thankful. This is not an ethical issue like we typically think. This is not uh, in, in vitro fertilization or the issue of abortion or the, or the issue of capital punishment as you may think of typical ethical issues, divorce and remarriage. But in this ethical section, Paul seems to want to say to us over and over again, Crossway Church of Goldsboro, give thanks. Give thanks the hymn that we sometimes sing from the Getty says, My heart is filled with thankfulness. And it's rooted in the gospel. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who bore my pain. Listen to these words who plumbed the depths of my disgrace and gave me life again. If we have nothing else for which to be thankful, and we do, let us remember that if we are believers, we can be thankful for the gospel who crushed my curse of sinfulness and clothed me in his light and wrote his law of righteousness with power upon my heart. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who walks beside, who floods my weaknesses with strength and causes tears to fly. To him who bore my pain. Is, is your heart filled with thankfulness this morning? Can you say with that poem, to him who bore my pain? We see it. In verse 17 of chapter 3, we see it in verse 16, we see it in verse 15. I told you already, I think the key verse, maybe for the whole book of Colossians, the supremacy of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, maybe the key verse is 2, 6, and 7. And again, what does it say there? Notice it again, you can just listen, you don't have to turn there. Again, in that key passage... Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding, overflowing. Surely it's not too much to say that this is the will of God for your life if you are a believer in Jesus Christ that you would walk in thankfulness So there's four headings this morning. We've already seen one, the one the first one's the general heading that our ethical chapters are chapters 3 and 4 and then we're getting specific. The first way that we're getting specific is by looking at this issue of Thanksgiving, but then secondly secondly, let's look at the issue of of lying. Lying you can call chapter Colossians 3 and 4 the ethical chapters, or, or, or look, you can call them the chapters that deal with behavior, or you can call them the chapters that deal with Christian duty. Josh Moody calls these chapters, Colossians 3 and 4, he gives them the title of everyday holiness, everyday holiness. It's been said, my dear brothers and sisters, listen, it's been said, believers are not called to escape the world, but to obey God within it. You know that, Right? Believers are not called to escape the world, but to obey God in it. How are you going to obey God in the world this week? Knowing, having that understanding, that our calling is not merely to wait on the second coming of Christ. That is our calling. Our calling is to wait on the second coming of Jesus Christ. But it's to actively wait. If our calling is not to escape the world but to obey God within it, then we are to be thankful and we are to be people of the truth. This is the third thing. We are to speak the truth. Look at what we read earlier. Look back at verse 9. Look back at verse 9 of Colossians chapter 3. Do not lie to one another. Do not lie to one another. Is it okay to tell a lie? Don't answer out loud. Think about this question. Is it ever okay to tell a lie? Answer honestly in your mind, in your heart. Have you ever told a lie? Don't lie. Does God care? Is it that big of a deal? Joseph was governor. Listen to this, Joseph was governor over all the land. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. "Where do you come from?" he said. Joseph, in the study that we've been doing, Joseph concealed his identity from his brothers. Joseph concealed his identity from his brothers. Was that wrong? Was that wrong? I say, no. I say, no, that's that's pretty easy, right? No, that was not wrong. But is it ever right to tell a lie? Well, of course it's right, we say. Of course it's right to, to ever tell a lie. What if it's 80 years ago and... It's World War II and you're hiding Jews in your house and so we say, of of course sometimes it's right to tell a lie, but why do we so quickly, why do we so quickly say, sure there's sometimes it's okay to tell a lie. Why do we jump so quickly to that? Well, no doubt, no doubt it's because we see in the Bible, we see in the Bible stories where people tell lies and it seems to be to good effect. And we think about real-life situations, like the, like the Nazis. And we say, "Surely." And we can think about those circumstances. We can think about those, those narratives and those stories in the Bible, and we can think about real life. But let us remember, if you just take those first three words of Colossians 3:9, and of course it says, "Do not lie to one another." But if you just take those first three words, it says, do not lie. Let us remember, if nothing else, let's remember the baseline. Let's remember, what is this based on? What is this based on? Is it not based on the Ten Commandments? Do you know which one? How about the Ninth Commandments? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. Why do we jump so quickly to say, surely there are times that you can lie? If we look at a fallen condition focus, it's a word that we can sometimes use, a fallen condition, we are all liars. The Bible says in a certain place in Titus, the Bible says that Cretans are all liars. Well, it's not just Cretans, friends. It's all of humanity. And it includes professing Christians and not only professing Christians in name only, but Christians as well. But what does this passage say as we look at this second specific ethical issue? What does it say here as we think about Colossians and ethics? Well, clearly, Paul is concerned for the health of the community. Do you see that? He's concerned for the health of the community. Why do I say that he's concerned for the health of the community? Because he says, do not lie to one another, right? Right? Well, again, that's evidence that sometimes, especially to pagans, especially to pagans like Nazis, it says do not lie to one another. It doesn't say don't lie to people who don't deserve to be told the truth. It doesn't say don't lie to unbelievers. Well, no, that's not what the text is saying. Surely you can see, surely we can see, right, the text does not mean... Because what matters is what the text means. The text doesn't mean don't lie to one another, but it's okay to lie to unbelievers. No, surely Paul's emphasis is on the health of the Christian community. That is his emphasis, the health of the Christian community. But surely he does not mean it's okay to lie to unbelievers. The Ten Commandments are clear on this issue. We're not talking about actions that deceive we're not talking about leaving the light on at home when you leave the house we're not talking about a quarterback who fakes a play to deceive the defense we're not talking about actions that deceive we're talking about verbal affirmations verbal affirmations or in writing this the bible is actually super plain about this very clear very clear look again at this passage let it rest upon you as we look at verses 9 through 11. let the full weight of it rest on you. When we come when we come in in, in a few minutes to the fourth point it will be a general point. This one's very specific. the first one was Thanksgiving, this one is on lying. verse nine do not lie to one another. Why, Paul? Could you uh, ground your statement? What's your foundation for saying that? On what basis do you give us this prohibition? What's your ground for saying that, Paul? Do not lie to one another since or seeing you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. If we were to continue reading in verse 12, he would say, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. If you're a Christian this morning, you're loved by God. Let me just throw that in there, verse 12. If you're a Christian this morning... You are loved by God. You are chosen by God. But I want us to focus for another minute on verses 9 through 11. And I want you to see that word in verse 11, here, Where? here, where? I think that's important. Don't lie to one another. Verse 10, you have put on the new self. He's not so much saying put on the new self. He says you have put on the new self. Here there is not Greek and Jew. And I just want to remind you, my dear brothers and sisters, or if you're here this morning and you're not a member of a local church, or you're here this morning and you're not a believer, which is to say you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross for individuals, and he died to purchase for himself a people. That Jesus loves the church. And what I want to show you from the text is it not interesting. I think it's very important that he says in verse 11, here, and I'm saying, here where? What's, what's where? And I want to show you that in these three verses, he's actually and ultimately talking, he's ultimately talking about the church. He's talking about the new covenant community of the people of God. You get that? He's talking about the new covenant community, people of God, which is interesting because you have put on the new self, and all we think about, all we think about sometimes, unfortunately, Sometimes we think in such individualistic terms. We think about me and Jesus, and that's that's good. But even here when he uses a phrase in verse 10, when he uses a phrase that does speak of the individual, it does, it does. The new self, what's he ultimately talking about when he talks about the new self? When he says in verse 11 here, he's ultimately talking about the church. He's concerned for the community. The community, the new covenant community will be destroyed if if lies run rampant. He's been talking about, would you notice in verse 8, he's been talking about sins of speech. Sins of speech. Verse 8, but now, but now, now what? Now that Christ has come. Now that the gospel has invaded your lives, now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and what? An obscene talk from your mouth. And as though to cap it all off, as though to cap it off in verse 9, after he gives those five things in verse 8, he says, do not lie to one another. And everything that he says in verses 9 through 11, after he says, do not lie to one another, everything he says after verse 9a supports verse 9a. It actually supports back to verse 5. But again, just get the flow. Let the weight of it fall on you. Do not lie to one another. Brothers and sisters, in the church, seeing... Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. One man described it like this. You're out in Goldsboro and it's July and it's 105 degrees and you're doing yard work and you come in and you, ah, it's so nice to take a shower and then you put on the same clothes you were just doing yard work in. and 100. No, that's foolish. That's silly. Put off the old self with its practices. You have put on the new self. Here, here, there's no division. There's no one because he has more wealth or because she has greater social status. Well, then we have those divisions in the church. No, there's no divisions in the church. Why? Because of Christ Jesus. Because of the cross. Because of the work of the gospel. Because Christ is all. Because Christ is all and in all if we narrowly if we narrowly define lying as having to do with the verbal affirmations that we make do we ever do we ever say something when we know that it's not true we have done that we all have done that we all have broken the law of god and god does not think that's okay if we have affirmed if we have affirmed That which we know is not true, we have lied. Paul says, stop lying. He says, mainly, you're new, so don't go on lying. There's a guy named Vern Poitras. He's up in Pennsylvania. And he has a fascinating uh, story, a historical example of when God honored the simple faith of a young Dutch woman who refused to tell a lie. Listen to this. God honoring the faith of a young Dutch woman who refused to tell a lie. You've heard of Corrie Ten Boom. One day, two nephews of Corrie Ten Boom came to her family's home seeking to escape from Nazi soldiers. The family hid them in a small cellar that was under a trapdoor in the kitchen floor. The trapdoor was covered by a rug and on top of the rug was a kitchen table. Then the following events took place. So here's where it gets good. And, of course, you know the setting. Two brothers rushing home, chased by Nazi soldiers, immediately rushed into the potato cellar, which is beneath the kitchen table, which apparently is just big enough to hold them, cover over the potato cellar, put the rug on top of it, put the kitchen table on top of it, put the dishes on top of the kitchen table, and here we go. We dropped the door shut. We dropped the door shut, yanked the rug over it, and pulled the table back in place. The two girls in this story are named Betsy and cocky. With trembling hands, Betsy, cocky, and I threw a long tablecloth over it and started laying five places for tea. There was a crash in the hall as the front door burst open and a smaller crash close by as cocky dropped a teacup. Two uniformed Germans ran into the kitchen, rifles leveled. Stay where you are. Do not move. We heard boots storming up the stairs. The soldiers glanced around disgustedly at this room filled with women and one old man. Where are your men? The shorter soldier asked Cocky in clumsy, thick-accented Dutch. These are my aunts, she said, and this is my grandfather. My father is at his school and my mother is shopping and I didn't ask about the whole tribe. The man exploded in German. And then in Dutch, he said, Where are your brothers? Cocky stared at him a second and then dropped her eyes. My heart stood still. I knew how Nali, which is their mother, I knew how Nali had trained her children, which I take to mean she trained trained them never to tell a lie, never. But surely, surely now of all times a lie was permissible. Surely now. Do you have brothers? The officer asked again. Yes, cocky said softly. We have three. How old are they? 21, 19, and 18. Upstairs we heard the sounds of doors opening and shutting, the scrape of furniture dragged from the walls. Where are they now? The soldier persisted. Cocky leaned down and began gathering up the broken bits of cup. The man jerked her upright. Where are your brothers? The oldest one is at the theological college. He doesn't get home most nights because what about the other two? Cocky did not miss a a breath. Why, they are under the table. Motioning us all away from it with his gun, the soldier seized a corner of the cloth. At a nod from him, the taller man crouched with his rifle cocked. Then he flung back the cloth. At last, the pent-up tension exploded. Cocky burst into spasms of high hysterical laughter. The soldiers whirled around. Was this girl laughing at them? Don't take us for fools, the one snarled. Furiously, he strode from the room, and minutes later, the entire squad trooped out. Not, unfortunately, before the silent soldier had spied and pocketed our precious packet of tea. To state the obvious, maybe by this time in the sermon you think I'm crazy for advancing this line of argument, but to state the obvious, this is one example of truth-telling that in this case, if we could speak in a pragmatic way, that it worked, that it worked. No, 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 this doesn't mean... This doesn't mean that we owe the full truth to all wicked people. The Bible does never say that we owe the full truth to wicked people. The scripture does say in Colossians 3 9, do not lie to one another. It does say, do not lie. It does say in the ninth commandment of the Ten Commandments, which in its original context pertains primarily to courts and to the courtroom setting, but also beyond, we can think about, we can think about, The stories in Scripture, the Rahab, the Hebrew midwives, Joseph, we can think about those. We can think about the real life situations, but do we realize? Do we realize that the world, apart from the grace of God, is filled with liars? Do we realize that the fundamental premise is this? Do not lie. Do not lie. Trust in God. Wayne Grudem says, this is a remarkable instance of God's providential protection. This Cory Tin Boom story, it's a remarkable instance of God's providence. But blurting out the location of hidden people is certainly not the only thing that can be said. You can always be silent. You can always talk about a hundred other things. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self who is being renewed in the knowledge after its creator. Well, there is one thing that is over all of these. The three specific things, the three specific things this morning are first, let us give thanks. Let us be people of the truth. Let us speak the truth in love. But there is one thing that is over all. There is one thing that is above all, this is number four, this is the third specific thing, was required to read an ethics book 15 or 20 years ago in a seminary class, it was required, and the ethics book was entitled, The How and Why of Love, The How and Why of Love, verse 14 of chapter 3. Colossians 3, 14, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Above all these, put on love. You're in a situation, and you've been trained like this lady, knowledge children, never to lie. And one thing you can do is the same thing that Jesus told his apostles, and you can pray in the moment. And you can say, God, I trust you, and you can pray right there in the moment. God, help God help. And back to this overarching ethical issue, what is it when we talk about Christian ethics, when we talk about morality, and not just morality, but Christian morality, and when we talk about behavior, and not just behavior, but Christian behavior, and and duty, but not just duty, duty that's rooted in the gospel. Because we do not pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We are not self-made men and women. Above all these put on love Paul writes in Colossians 3:14. Above all these put on love. Turn back for just a moment to Ephesians, back to the left, turn back just a little bit to the left to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. This is the overarching ethical principle And here it is, it's the same thing as Colossians 3.14, in many ways. The same thing as Colossians 3.14 is Ephesians 5.2. What does he say? Ephesians 5.2, very simply, walk in love, crossway, with the help of God and the enabling of the Holy Spirit, let us walk in love. He doesn't stop there, does he? In Ephesians 5.2, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, It says, as Christ loved us, which of course doesn't mean that His love for His people is just in the past. The love of Jesus for you this morning, if you are in Christ, are you in Christ, is a very present reality. John 13, 1 that we read earlier said, having loved His own who are in the world, what? He loved them to the end. As Christ loved us, that speaks of the cross Let me tell you the gospel this morning is Christ's perfect life. It's been pointed out. It's been pointed out that Jesus Christ never saw the need to lie. You look at the gospels, Jesus never felt the need to lie, and he never did. He lived one perfect life, and he died on the cross as the sinner's substitute, bearing the wrath of God. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. When you look in the mirror of the Bible, The Bible's like a mirror, and when you look in the mirror of the Bible or the Ten Commandments to be specific, you find that you and I are ugly, and we're way more than ugly. We've broken God's law, and we are clearly deserving of hell and condemnation and damnation under the wrath of God. But the gospel tells us that Jesus himself, the Son of God, listen to me, the Son of God bore the wrath of God the Father on the cross for liars like you and like me. In Ephesians 5 and 2, again, I underscore this, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Listen, not only did Jesus live a perfect life in which he never felt it necessary to lie at all, but what this all comes down to, look at me, what this all comes down to is the character of God. The character of God. And I'm still talking about the gospel. I'm still talking about the good news of Jesus. The character of God. What do I mean? God cannot lie. God cannot lie. It all goes back to the character of God. And oh, by the way, Ephesians 5, one. Therefore be what? Imitators of God. As beloved children, you are loved in Christ. Not love the way the world defines love. But love the way the gospel in the Bible defines love. Which has a lot to do, does it not, with self-sacrifice. Love does not have a lot to do with self-fulfillment. It has a lot to do with self-sacrifice. And not mine, but Christ's. Be imitators of God. All these things that we're talking about, specifically lying, it has to do with the character of God. God cannot lie. He cannot lie. And there is mercy in and grace there's mercy and grace for repentant liars for repentant serial people who are ungrateful for those who do not walk in love look at verse 4 of ephesians 5 let there be no filthiness let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Let your mouth be used for something positive because out of the overflow of your heart the mouth speaks, Jesus said. Let there be something positive, thanksgiving, and not filthiness, Filthiness, not foolish talk, not crude joking, and certainly not lying. Certainly not lying. How about Ephesians 4, 25? Look up with me just a little bit. Verse 25 of Ephesians 4. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. I'll say the same thing I said in Colossians with Ephesians 4.25. He clearly does not mean, oh, it's okay to lie to unbelievers. I'm just telling you don't to lie in the church. No, it's because his special emphasis, his special concern, is the new covenant people of God, the church. We need to grow together, as the ladies were doing on Thursday night, studying the Trinity, and the men are studying maturity. We need to grow together. We friends, friends, let us not coast, but let us move on, and let us move on, and let us grow to maturity, rooted in the gospel, rooted. Rooted in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Rooted in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. And I'll read this and I'll be done. Thanksgiving. Give thanks. Speak the truth. Walk in love as he loved us. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Let's take a moment of silent prayer. Lord, we pray your kingdom come. Pray even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that when you appear, you who are our life, then we also will appear with you in glory. Give to us repentance of our sins. Help us to confess that we are so many times an ungrateful people, and we do confess that. Lord, we confess that we do not walk in love. Our default mechanism is self-fulfillment rather than self-sacrifice in light of the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, we confess that our mouths are filthy like Isaiah's in Isaiah chapter 6 and help us to behold you, the the living Lord, in your holiness. We thank you for your character, O God, that you cannot lie. And we thank you for your salvation that though we deserve death and judgment, we thank you for the gospel that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the death of Christ in the place of Cretans and in the place of American liars. And may we rejoice with full-throated joy and with renewed lives offered to you as sacrifices. May we rejoice with really great happiness and great joy because Christ Jesus has shed his blood for liars and for sinners like us, sinners of all stripes. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the new self, both individually and corporately. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.